welcome to Truck Stop Murder and True Crime Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Howard. And if you're a return listener, thank you for coming back. And if you're a new listener, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Today's going to be a different episode. I'm not going to have a truck stop on this episode. I'm going to see how this goes. I know I've asked this question in the past and somebody said keep it on. But with this episode, I'm going to leave the truck stop out. Normally, I would talk about the truck stop, the amenities around it, reviews, and what people think about it. And a murder that happened not too far from there. But where I'm at right now, I failed to put down the information about the truck stop I was originally going to talk about. I have no signal. And I know I could probably record it and go back later and edit in the truck stop. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go ahead and record. There's no signal here, so I'm going to record it and then I'll download it to my hosting site later on. I guess because I'm lazy, I don't know to edit it in. But that truck stop's not going nowhere. And where this is at is Gary, Indiana. So I'm bound to found, find another case so I can talk about that. But this one is going to be only about the case. And before we start, please, if you, I have not been able, I had a few people do it so far, rate and review on Apple iTunes or go on my YouTube channel, subscribe. I'm trying to get a thousand subscribers so I can go live. I have my TikTok channel, Cemeteries and Scenes, Scenes and Cemeteries. I can't remember. Sceneries and Cemeteries, I believe it is. I'm not looking at it right now. But yeah, if you want to see short videos of where I'm at or cemeteries I go to, Go check that out subscribe but mainly tell people about it i do have a patreon and that i'm trying to build up if you want to shout out on the show a big thank you for me you could do that at patreon forward slash truck stop murder have not gotten none yet so i'm really excited about those shout outs or if you don't want to make and that's as low as one dollar a month and if anybody's tried to do that and there's been some problems and issues that I need to correct with that. Please let me know as well so I can address that issue. Or if you just want to do a one-time pay, you can do PayPal at truckstopmurder@gmail.com or gary.howard5 at yahoo.com. Either one will work, and I'll receive the funds. And I will, with a big shout-out on my show to show you my appreciation. Well, like I said, right now I'm in Tennessee. And for some reason, I can't think of the city's name. So let's find out one second. Let's pause. I'm in Waverly, Tennessee. Not too far from McKenzie, Tennessee, where my good friend Robert Schwarzenegger, I think his name is. So Bob, Robert, whatever. He used to be a police officer in a town I grew up. Gave me so much grief growing. But you know what? That was growing up, and I was doing some against the law things i guess you could say even though i saw this good times but past is past future is future and that's he was doing his job and i was being a kid teenager partying but yeah he's not too far from there about three but yeah i'm in tennessee right now waverly tennessee at hood detainer where i'm should been picking up a load of paper to go to chicago and from chicago i'm going to Sealy, texas and from there, Christmas time. You know, heading home for Christmas. I've been on the road since October, so I am ready to go home. Long needed home time. Hopefully everybody else's Christmas is doing wonderful. Hopefully looking forward to twenty twenty two. I'm not gonna say nothing about that. I saw a post about somebody saying after twenty twenty, everybody was saying, Let's hope for the best for twenty one and twenty one 
and it turned to shit. So nobody's saying that's just being quiet about 2022. But yep, anyhow, without further ado, the case that I am covering today is out of Gary, Indiana, and covers there's a few women that was involved. There were girls at the time, but the person I'm going to be covering is Paula R. Cooper. It's an interesting case that I found about teenagers, and I've said this in the past. A lot of people look at teenagers and their actions about how horrible they are. They should be, you know, the highest punishment available. But think of mine, keep in mind that a lot of the frontal vortex, the front part of your brain, I know I'm saying that wrong, of your brain is what determines consequences and makes you decision-making of your mind. And that is not really formed frontal lobe cortex i don't know but that is not developed till each at least 25 years old so and i remember as a teenager and i suppose anybody else might have done this as well when you're a teenager all the way up to mid-20s thinking you want to do something not thinking the consequences the long-term effects or nothing like that but that's where this part of the brain controls and that's why a lot of kids act on impulses and i think I'm not saying because of this, if something horrible they do, they should not, you know, pay the consequences. Something should be done, but instead of punishment, there should be some way to correct this, maybe help them out until then. But each case, you know, it's all circumstantial. Each case is different. Each case should be, you know, dictated in a different manner. But the case that I'm talking about right now is from, like I said, Paula Cooper. So let's talk about what she did. No truck stop today. It was going to be the TA right there, and I'm not going to wing it because there's a restaurant right next to it that I love to go to, and I want to almost give it, you know, unpaid sponsorship for that. I can't wait because I go there and get the gyro plate all the time, and it's amazing. 11 bucks, two people can eat it. All you got to do is actually get the extra pita for a few dollars, and two people could get filled, guaranteed, unless you're just some fat, obese person, or you can eat a lot. Either way. Well, let's talk about what happened on this date of May 14th, 1985. So, yes, on this date, um, May 1985, Paula, Karen, April, and Denise, four teenagers in Indiana, a ninth grade students from Lee Wallace High School, and their complete names are Paula R. Cooper, 50, which was 15 at the time, which is the girl we'll be talking about. Denise Thomas was age 14. Karen Corder, Corder, C-O-R-D-E-R, age 16, and April Beverly, age 15. So that's why I was telling them they're all teenagers. They're all child, so they're still young. So they're at the Lee High Wallace in Gary, Indiana. They left the school grounds at lunch is when you could leave. I don't know how it is now, but I know my kids, They once they go to lunch school, they stay at school. They can't go home for lunch. I'm, when I was at school, I was able to, if I want to go home, like eat lunch there or go home for lunch. But yeah, they planned on ditching the rest of the day. They left for lunch. They planned on ditching the rest of the day. They went to April's house where they drank some beer and wine, smoked some weed. As, you know, young kids do, they began to talk about what they wanted to do for the rest of the day. They decided they will, they would like to go to a local arcade a few blocks away. That's when arcades existed and play some video games. They had one problem they didn't have any money after discussing ways to come up with money some money april told the other girls there's the old lady who lives across the alley and where 
she and where where she did she teaches bible lessons to neighborhood kids she lives alone and i think she has the money and by the way at this time this neighborhood was well that's not is irrelevant let's go on with the story april said if if you three girls go into the house and knock on her door so april knew this woman so she's been there before that's what she's saying the three girls if they knock on the door she will if the three girls will go to the house and knock on the door her door and tell her that they would like to have bible lessons i think she will let you in her house she stated if she lets you in the house you could rob her i'll stay out as a lookout because she would recognize her because she's been there for bible lessons in the past it don't really say how she knows the woman's name is ruth pelkey by the way it's not stated how she knows her maybe it was bible lessons maybe she saw her school so the, the girls agreed they said let's go do this they agreed on the plan with april staying in the background you know backyard the other girls went to ruth pelkey's front door and knocked when ruth answered the front door one of the girls said mrs pelkey we'd like to take some bible lessons and of course this thrilled her now at the time i heard certain stories where she wasn't given bible lessons at the time and she was going to get information for them to go but I also heard that she was getting ready to give them bible lessons so she said sure come on in so that's when that is when when ruth well she was very let's talk a little bit about ruth this is the way ruth was she loved to give bible lessons to all the kids she's really involved in church and really involved in the youth a lot she was a very religious woman and was actively actively involved in various services at the local baptist church which i've I, when i read this i didn't look into it and i've always there's the world's biggest bible sunday school there and i used to go there as a kid all the time and you want to talk about some hard folk bible baptist you know people they will go travel all over chicago but yeah first baptist church of hammond indiana which is not too far from gary or this could have been but yeah on sunday morning she attended sunday school and then stayed for worship services on sunday sunday evening she would attend the bible training hour and stay over for the evening services on wednesday she attended prayer meetings and stayed over for choir practice she was a leader in the boys and girls club at the church and involved in the visitation and women's ministry program so she was there all the time with that door was open at the church she was there she was also very active in several programs outside the church called child evangelism and five-day clubs as these events she told you know flannel graph bible stories which i had to look that up i remember about it too when i was going to school you know sunday school as a young kid which the avenue of the video so since the video of course they don't do that anymore everything's done video but if you don't know what it is i had to look it up because i couldn't have like flannel graph bible stories what is that but yeah it's a big board set up on an easel it's about two foot high and about three foot wide and covered with felt material like you know velcro tape she had cut out pictures of bible characters with a with a flannel flannel material posted on the back so it's like little shapes so she'll like that was the stage but you she was using characters as she told the story the pictures would stick on the board as she told the bible stories um like i said almost like velcro she told stories about this is what her grandson was said you know later on would say well this is what she would do she would tell stories of daniel and the lion's den david and goliath jonah and the whale three men and the fury furnace and many others the children's favorite story was about joseph and his coat of many colors 
Joseph had received this beautiful colored coat as a sign of love from his father. She would put the colorful coat on the the out you know the pictures of Joseph. So she on those pictures of the men, but she would put the coat on him. So they're constantly changing different outfits. Her brothers were pictured off to the side in a long in their long plain brown robes. So you figured they would be pretty just about them. So she would tell how the brothers were so jealous and angry that they sold them to slave traders that who came one day while they were working in the field. He, he just, he, they always like when Nana put the coat on Joseph. So that was really exciting. If you want to know more about it, go ahead. I, I don't want to turn this into a Bible story, which was this. If you're into Christianity beliefs, go to Old Testament and look about the story about Joseph. It's a, a very fascinating story about forgiveness and it's an interesting story. Even if you're not into that you have a Christian belief, it is a fascinating story, mainly on just the basis of forgiveness. So when her children had their own children, they would watch her teach their children, and, of course, as with her kids as well. So it was like a generational thing, and they were really excited about telling about the stories. So this is what she loved to do. So when the girls told, they called her Nana, by the way, Told Ruth they wanted to take Bible lessons. I have it on my notes. That's why I said it. I forgot to change that out. But yeah, everybody called her Nana that associated with her. They told her that she wanted Bible lessons. It was more of a chance for her of 87, you know, 78, to share her faith with young kids. She told them, come on in. So when Ruth turned around her back to her desk in the dining room to get some information about classes, Denise grabbed a vase. Off, the, off one of the tables and hit Ruth over the head. As she fell to the floor, Paula pulled a knife out of her purse and began to stab her. While she was stabbing Ruth, Denise, Karen started looking through the house trying to find some money. They had trouble finding any, so they came back to where Ruth was still being stabbed. Paula told that they were having trouble with it. They told Paula they were having no luck trying to find money. So Paula was mad that they couldn't find none and money told Denise to take the knife. Of course, Denise refused. She was probably wasn't even realizing what was going to happen. They thought they were just going to steal the money. That's it. But Karen had no problem to do it. So Karen took the knife and started twisting in her in a torture fashion, telling you know, Ruth, where's the money at? So Paula ran, kept ransacking the house. They end up with a, when it's all said and done with, they destroyed the house, tortured poor Ruth, for a while trying to find money they came up with a total of ten dollars even in that that's not much money even 1984 ten dollars no and they took the keys to ruth's old car they and then they left that's where they left her to die on the dining room floor they took her car drove back to high school where they had a few out where they were at a few hours earlier to see if their friends wanted to go for joy riding not even thinking that they're driving a car this is what i'm talking about the whole frontal lobe part of your brain where you don't really think of long-term consequences you only think of the moment and if i'm wrong about this please somebody message me but a lot of the researches of some of the cases i've done really reflect highly on that that the brain is not developed to 25 so they're not even thinking about what they're doing they're just trying to have a good time so the next day ruth's son i don't have his name which is irrelevant but just fine i don't want nobody you know, harassing this man for information about this where they might want to know. Look it up if you need more information. You can imagine the pain that was going through his mind when he felt it all. So the following day, it wasn't no, no, no mystery who did their drive around her car. So the girls were arrested the following day. 
discovering Ruth's body. Bill Pesky committed. This is her grandson. I had great difficulty believing the four girls were so young could have gotten involved in such a terrible, heinous crime. I have children that were the same age, and I can't imagine. Well, that's where you stop to have this girl the same age. But even myself, I couldn't imagine my kids doing that at the age around 15, 14, 16. Well, because they were juveniles at the time, I really couldn't find much on them. I looked them up. I did find a few things. But the, like I said, the main girl we're going to be talking about is Paula R. Cooper. She's the girl of the story. But let's talk about some of the other ones. And a lot of them end up getting... So let's the first girl, Karen Corbin, who was 16 at the time of the crime, pled guilty to twisted and turning a knife in her body for about 15, 20 minutes while the other girls, two girls were looking for money. The judge had the choice of either sentence Karen to death or to Indiana's alternative at the time, which was 60 years to prison. She liked to not to go for the death sentence and gave her the 60 years. The judge stated the reason he, he was not giving her the death sentence was because she was under influence of a dominating personnel, which was Paula Cooper. And I did find her later on. What what happened to her? She ended up dying in prison in May 26 of 2005 following a parent's suicide. You know, that's what it said, parent's suicide. According to police, Cooper, of course, you know the story about that. But, yeah, she ended up passing away 2015. It just says a parent's suicide, but that don't necessarily mean it was suicide. April Beverly, the girl who had known known Ruth has set her she was sentenced for well, I'm having a hard time reading but anyhow so she was sentenced to 25 years of prison even though she was not in the house when so she should stay and Denise the other girl the girl that was accused of hitting Anna over the head I said Nana was 35 years so yeah they all got some time but as for Paula Cooper since they figured that she was the main culprit who really did the majority of the you know, she they they went ahead and gave her death the they the prosecution sought out the death sentence and after because of the brutality of it and everything they decided yes, even though her age of the, the attack was that fifteen years old, they had no problem with the death sentence because of the brutality of the attack. So yeah, they came back with a plea of, you know, sentence of guilty. And youngest girl on death row in, in Indiana. So Cooper was sent to death row at Indiana's Women Prison in Indianapolis. Her case was taken up by attorney Monica Foster, who organized a campaign which had strong public support. Of course, this was all over the news. I don't know if anybody have heard of this. I think I've heard this on one of the shows. I, I think it was on Deadly Women. I'm not for sure if it was on that show, but it was on some TV show. I think there have been other story similar to this i'm not for sure if this is it or not but yeah there was a big campaign presented by signed by two million people because mainly because of her age and because the brutality if it was an older person i think they this would not have you know they would not have signed it but because of her age they're trying to get the death sentence commuted to life in prison maybe with parole or everything but they just want to take the death penalty off the the table even Pope John Paul II made a personal appeal to Indiana Governor Robert Orr at the time in September 1987 for, for a separate appeal to the United States received, and by the way, another one received one million. So that's a total of three million people signed to get this Cooper's case overturned. 
case was profiled on 60 Minutes and various European television programs. She was front page news in her hometown, Gary, Indiana, including a scandal where it was found that several prisoner guards who had sex with her while she was in the cell. I don't know, but the pregnancy tests were performed. They all came back negative. And there was, I don't think they ever tested to see if she was, but I don't think it was rape, maybe consensual. I don't know, but it was the thing. But yeah, Judge, so they're going through their appeals and everything, but Judge Kimbrough had died, and later appeals process was slow, but they had to get a different judge. Replacement was chosen. So in 1987, the Indiana legislation passed by. By the way, at this time, death row, you couldn't be, was 10 years old. So that was the legal age that you could be trialed as a adult and given the death sentence was at the age of 10. Crazy, ain't it? But the Indian legislation passed a bill raising the minimum age from a defendant in a death penalty case from 10 years old to 16. So you would think, well, Cooper's not going to be on it. Nope. Guess what? Although the change was a reaction to Cooper's case, the legislation, legislation, why can't I say that? (laughs) The state made it clear they did not change it to affect Cooper's case. You, ma'am, be gone with you back to death row. Because you are not getting out. Everybody from this point on will get out, but not you. So in 1988, Supreme Court decision, Thompson versus Oklahoma, barred the death penalty for dependent defendants under the age of 16 at the time of the crime, even though Cooper was. But the Indiana Supreme Court considered both of these developments. This is why. On July 3rd, 1989, the court heard arguments and reduced this, and this is what happened. Reduced the life the sentence to life in prison a new york times editorial that month called the court's decision brave and said the death sentence for a 15 year old was medieval and so it took a while a lot you know hearings but at first they were not going to get rid of death penalty for this woman they're like we're going to use you as example and <clears throat> sorry we're going to use you as example and you will be the last one executed but nothing like that but after like i said in a 5-1 decision indiana justice acknowledged the particularly brutal nature of this thing cooper was admitted she stabbed ruth pelkey a 78 year old bible teacher 33 times with a butcher knife on may in 1985 according to testimony at cooper's trial the wounds were so deep that the, the knife shredded the carpet underneath ruth's body and dented the floorboards underneath. Of course, the court overturned the execution, signed both the Indiana and U.S. Constitution in order. Instead, the Cooper received a prison sentence of 60 years, the maximum under. That's all they give her, 60 years. So she's off death row. All the appeals, everything kind of helped. Well, it kind of helped. It did help, and maybe the Pope did too. That meant Cooper could be freed 26 years. According to accounts, she was already served. She had already served since her arrest and possibly good behavior credit, so she could get out. So in saving Cooper from, so that was good. Let me slow down. In saving Cooper from the electric chair, the court infected extended in 1987 any law that raised the minimum age of death penalty from up to 16. So yeah, she was no longer. So the court said creation of the age standard means Paula would be both first and last woman. This is what I was saying when it first happened. They said Paula would be the 
both the first and last person ever to be executed in Indiana for a crime committed at the age of 15. So there's just makes sense. And but anyhow, but yeah, she is no longer on death row, and she got 60 years in prison. So while she was on there, she she did a lot for herself. She got her GED. She earned college correspondence courses while in prison because she could get parole in in 2000. By the way. I didn't mention this while well, one of the main reasons why they kind of considered it because Bill Pelkey, that's the grandson. Now, Ruth's son never forgave her, never forgave her at all. He always wanted death penalty, and that's where he stood by. But now, Bill Pelkey, he said he had a, a revolution, you could say, one day. And, you know, when he was in court, he remembered seeing Paula's grandfather, you know, after they gave the death sentence, you know, having to be escorted out of court because he was crying so loud and he was saying, they're killing my baby. So while uh, Bill Pelkey was in there, he, you know, he was at work one day. He worked as a crane operator in Gary. He said he had a revelation and he could picture Nana, he said, and he could imagine how what she want somebody else's, even though her life was taken, what she wants somebody else's. So she, he became really good friends with her, did a lot of correspondence and everything, and they really, he forgave her and she apologized for her apology. So I think that had a lot to do with her getting off death row. So here she is, got her GED, doing everything good. So as 2007, she was projected to be released in 2014. Although she was sentenced to 60 years, Indiana removes a day from a prisoner's sentence. Each day she has good behavior. So let's see. Did, did she get paroled? She did. So the date says she was released on June 17th. 2013 I'll show you and the things that I saw on her she was actually doing pretty good and you know she got a job really working with her GED and everything she got a job and worked her way up to man manager got a boyfriend and started a new life and everything was working pretty good for her you know the, the state for you know she did her pro she did her son she forgave her all that her Ruth probably a lot of people think that Ruth even though beyond a grave forgave her because the Christian woman she was and Bill her grandson you know forgave her everybody forgave her but the problem was there's one person who did not forgive her and was living unpenosed a lot of people with a bunch of demons in her and that was Paula herself after she got out of jail I don't know I've read some places where she was institutionalized because she spent like 20 something 28 years in prison let me see she got out in 2013 this happened so she was 85 95 almost 20 years in jail she was released so yeah the murder happened on may 14th 1985 she was released june 17 2013 so i've read some places where she was institutionalized couldn't get out but according to her letters she stopped at a friend's house she was having a hard time so she ended up staying the night one for a friend's house she said she couldn't be alone. She was having, there's demons inside her that she had a, she needed help with. So the next morning they woke up and Paula was gone. She wasn't there, but there was letters. I don't know what these letters was never submitted, put out in the public, you know, asking for forgiveness and whatnot. She gave some other, stopped at some other people's house, gave some letters. And then she went to a park where her boyfriend had planted some flowers that she really loved. So this was like two years after she was released on May 22nd, 2015. Her body was found by the park with a suicide wound. 
heaven shot herself in the head so yeah she just could not live with herself what a lot of people think and what i believe too with what i research and everything like that i think that comes maturity comes realization what she did and i don't think she could really live with herself because that woman was trying to help her out like i said this goes back to the front of the lobe that i was talking now by the way i talk a lot about this i am no professional i'm no doctor i'm no scientist i'm not i'm just old army vet you know truck driving podcast who does research for this cases and i learn a lot while i do my research which makes this interesting because i love learning new things and i never knew anything about the frontal lobe uh until i started doing this i thought if you're a kid you're you should be held accountable for your own actions but if your actions is actions that you really cannot comprehend that you're doing a lot of people like that's full of shit you know because if your brain that's like blaming a car be mad at a car that's not running without an engine or gas you know yeah it's there the car's there but without i know that's a bad you know comparison but you understand what i'm saying it's not working you know in 325 so but yeah she couldn't do she couldn't handle it and i think once that really developed she came to realization what she did how many lives and she ruined it she just couldn't do it and sadly she took her life but there you go there's the case of paula r cooper i had that for a while set up but my truck had broke down a few times <laughs> truck broke down truck broke down a few times and i've been going through a bunch of emotional issues myself too i'm not going to get into Even my friend well i think it's my friend jimmy wiston and me me and him talked about it. i think he kind of helped me out through this in a way unbeknownst to him but anyhow if you like to tell that story please tell me about it join my facebook group truck stop murder true crime podcast let me know it's, it's actually kind of growing bigger than i thought now which some of these people i'm happy they're on the group but rate and review let's build this up you know build this up through itunes rate and reviews maybe get some sponsorships and like i said if you want to support me through patreon you can at patreon forward slash truck stop murder or you paypal me you know help me get some better equipment right now i'm, I'm desperate to need a new mic stand mixture board i do need some equipment but i'm kind of tight for fun especially with christmas coming up and i'm surprised my wife is even let me do this everything's going out nothing coming in but i'm i enjoy this this is more of a hobby that i do but yeah if anything just tell a friend you know go on your social media page share truck stop murder true crime podcast you can find me on facebook twitter instagram youtube and on audible you can find me there just google me you will find me but yep that's the story of paula r cooper and i will be doing hopefully the episode here pretty soon we'll try i, be, I do try to stay on a regular i think that's my main problem i don't stay on a regular schedule which i'm going to try to be better at that well, okay there you go hopefully everybody has a merry christmas don't eat too much and Hopefully the Bears do a little bit better. Yes, I'm a Bears fan. And as I always say, you can't fix stupid, but you can sure numb it with a 2x4. I'm out of here. Huh?